You're listening to another episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts Ben Worney and Ethan Sachs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Worney, and joining me on the line is Ethan, the comeback kid, Sachs. You had <laughs> you had an insane comeback win yesterday with Stunlock. That was crazy. So yeah, so Stunlock FTW on Twitch, who's also a fellow Pittsburgher, came over to my house yesterday, and we streamed for a little bit, and just had the craziest game of Magic that we had no business winning. I think you put our win percentage at point zero 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 one percent to win the game. It was ridiculous. So for cards like uh, we were playing an Hour of Devastation queue. And for cards like Fling or like Lethal Sting, anything that's like when you cast it, you have to do this thing. The clicking for it on Magic Online is not perhaps the most intuitive because maybe you think what I'm going to do first is pay for the cost and click the creature that I'm going to sacrifice with Fling. And then I'll click the thing that I'm going to target with it. No. No. What you do is you click the thing you're going to target, then you pay the mana, and then you pay additional cost to cast it so sacrifice a creature put a minus one minus one counter if it's lethal staying anything like that so our opponent cast fling at our like throwing throwing a, a five five creature at our face uh, when we were at four life so i was like great i'm gonna go ahead i like right clicked concede game i like hovered over the concede game button and then i was like let me just check the chat log and see if they cast fling correctly and they did not and then they proceeded to just like that spiraled them into this like tilt downfall of making mistake after mistake after mistake which was a pretty uh apropos thing for them to do after our last episode <laughs> yeah you should have you should have linked it in chat <laughs> no i could not have done that to them but uh yeah it was just like you know they had many opportunities after that to win the game you were dead to rights like two other times mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and, like one times. time you top decked and one time they just didn't attack you for some reason yep if you want to check out that clip, I uh, I highlighted it from my stream, so you can go to uh, twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware and, and go to videos, and it should be called uh, HOU Comeback. It's like an 11-minute clip, and I think definitely worth watching, if not for anything other than my reactions throughout the entire video. Oh my god, yeah. It's so good. It is well worth 11 minutes of your time to go check out. It's got, <laughs> it's got it all. It's got drama, intrigue, suspense. I know. I laughed, I cried. Happy ending? It does have a happy ending. Dr. Katz was like, the best part of that video is the whitest high five I've ever seen at the end of it. <laughs> I was like, all right. All right. Thank you. Um, how was your week, buddy? It was good. I streamed almost every day. I was too pooped on Friday, but uh, it's been great to have time to stream. So, yeah. Thanks, everybody that's been tuning in. And it's been awesome. Hope, hoping to keep it up. It's been great as a viewer to have you in the evenings. I mean, like, there's just like not a lot of people doing limited anymore. Yeah, I think people are off Ixalan, which is too bad, because I think it's a fine format. We are on Ixalan, baby. We are going to be going hard on Ixalan today. Yeah. What's the what's the trophy leaderboard looking like for you? Uh, good. So I wrapped up Iconic Masters with 10 trophies in 25 drafts, uh, overall record of 55 and 20 for a 73% win rate. And Ixalan, I came back, I continued my, my hot streak from Iconic Masters. I've trophied like five out of my last eight drafts or something. Oh, boy. Uh, with, a, with a finals appearance or two in there. And I now have 30 trophies in 85 drafts, uh, 174 and 76 record for a 69.6% win rate. Attaboy. Nicely done. Uh, yeah, so I finished up Iconic Masters with 13 trophies, ending with this really sweet red black dragons deck um which ended up being kind of my favorite archetype in the format which or maybe at least my biggest mover from the start because going into the set review i was like this deck looks terrible and i really think it was a really really fun and very powerful deck when you got the pieces namely blade wing and uh, dragon tempest that's so funny because I I feel exactly about dragons as I did at the start of the format. Oh, and I draft I drafted a really sweet dragons deck for my last draft too, and I didn't feel sweet about it at all. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I re- really liked it. I mean, it only came together for me a few times, but I think I trophied with a, both of those times. So it's probably just my, you know, experience, like being like, oh, I won, so I probably did a good deck. But I actually really think it, it is pretty powerful when it comes it's together. It's super powerful. It goes over the top of everything else. Yeah, exactly. I think that's true. Um, but I unfortunately, st- I started also doing some stipulation drafts, so I stopped tracking my matches uh, the last few days. So I didn't, I don't actually have a like win loss record, but it was probably still floating around 67, 66%. Um, 
as I you know was still doing okay. But yeah, I started doing uh, some stipulations from from chat to sort of spice things up, and ending with what I thought was really a fun thing to do, which was I had to draft the most iconic card from each pack. That was really really fun especially to have chat interaction like i've never seen chat in twitch so active before just everyone being like this is the most iconic card or this is and uh getting people's opinions and it was just like a really fun thing and a, a cool way to look at a set called iconic masters yeah that that sounds super sweet i'm I'm not in for stipulation drafts most of the time like mm-hmm. I, I had to stop watching when you were when you were <laughs> taking your like attacking with not you, you had a stipulation where you couldn't attack with anything that wasn't a non-token creature so right. like you just had a sarah angel on the battlefield sitting there not attacking and i i just had to leave i couldn't do it but yeah. this most iconic card one sounds sweet i i would have enjoyed watching that i think I want to I put a little addendum to that. I couldn't attack with non-token creatures. And if my opponent asked me what was going on, I had to say I was playing around wing shards, regardless of what colors they were in. And that one game, my opponent eventually, at the end, they were like, if you had just attacked with Sarah Angel, like any turn, you would have won. And I had to write back, I was playing around wing shards. Yeah. yeah. That was what, that right. I saw that. And then I, <laughs> I was done. I, <laughs> I was done. You're like, what, what is this? this? This guy's off, off the podcast. Yep, I went to go edit the podcast. <laughs> I also have been trophying a bit in Ixalan. I'm up to 52 trophies in 184 drafts, 368 to 201 win-loss record, 65% win rate. And I've also been dipping back into Hour of Devastation this week. I did eight drafts, and I've, you know, quote-unquote trophied in four of them, and I have a 19-5 and five win-loss record for 79% win rate. That's awesome. Yeah. I've been really enjoying doing a little double Q action of firing up an Hour of Devastation draft and filling it in with some Ixalan. Uh, it's been fun to go revisit that format. And the for people who are, are interested, currently the cues for that are pretty soft. That's what I've been hearing from Dr. Katz and, and others. Sparrow's Rum has been doing those a lot, too. Seem to be like a few people that grind them or play them a lot and really know what they're doing. But a lot of people, I think, are just like... I was sort of speculating with Stunlock yesterday, like, why are they soft? It doesn't make sense, but it like, seems like a lot of people are off Ixalan, or like, if people don't like league-style drafting, they might jump in there, regardless of how often they played that format or how knowledgeable they are of it. So if you liked our Devastation, I would recommend uh, jumping in there if you're not averse to the, the wait time. Uh, before we jump into today's topic, we wanted to shout out a couple of our new patrons, you too could become a patron of this show. Uh, we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited, uh, available for you to give back financially to the show if you so choose. Um, get some sweet perks, get access to our Discord channel, get access to our show notes, a little pre-show recording, depending on the tier of donation that you choose to access. Uh, and one of those perks, no matter what tier you choose, is to get a shout-out on the show. So Mateus, Phil, and Matthew... Thank you so much for your patronage this week. We really, really appreciate it. So, so very thankful for everyone who chooses to donate to the show. Yes, cannot say thank you enough. And another thing, a big shout out to the patrons. We are recording the, the show a little differently today. We're using something called Zencaster, which is a paid uh, audio service that like does some post-processing for you. Um, and the patrons have really enabled us to help help pay for that. Um, so thank mm-hmm. you, thank you for that. And uh, just as a side note, if you notice anything different about the audio quality, if you think it's better or worse, I would really appreciate you sending me an email uh, at lordsoflimited at gmail.com to let me know what you think, because this is not necessarily something we're going to do every week. And if it works, great. Uh, if you guys don't think the audio quality is good, we certainly can go back to the way we were doing it before. We want to get the best product out to you all possible. Yeah, absolutely. So today, as a sort of complete 180 from our last week episode of, of sort of a, a mental state focused episode, we wanted to just go... Nuts and bolts, draft on draft on draft, and take a look at a bunch of draft deep dives and do a full roundtable episode. What do you think? It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm really excited. So you want to take us through this uh, this first one that was submitted by someone in my Twitch chat? Yeah, this is Curzone. And pack one, pick one. You sit down and see the following cards. Uh, Sirens Lookout, two and a blue for the one, two flying pirate with Explore. River Herald's Boon. One on a green for the instant speed. Put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control and target merfolk you control. Pounce. One on a green for the instant speed. Target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. Seeker Squire. One on a black for the one, two human scout with explore. And Kumena's Speaker. Single green for the one, one merfolk that if you control an island 
or another merfolk, it gets plus one, plus one. So I think a lot about at least how I'm going to look at drafts today are going to be like if I'm drafting the beard style versus drafting a dirtle deck, because I think those are sort of two branches you can go down in as you're looking at, at packs. Here, I don't see a, a diversion there, really. Um, I see like a couple good merfolk cards in Commander Speaker and River Herald's Boon that I feel like you could hedge on if you liked that kind of deck or... I don't know, Had a didn't really feel like taking anything else in the pack. So I think between Boone and Speaker, I think I'd be on River Herald's Boone. What do you think? Uh, that's interesting. I would take Speaker there between you those take two cards. Speaker. Yeah, I'm not sure what's right there. But yeah, I think I'd be on Boone. Um, and then I guess between the rest of the pack, I'm still not pretty high on Pounce. I don't think I would ever want to first pick it. And then we've got two Explore creatures. And I think I'd be on Seeker Squire over Siren Lookout. Uh, I would not. Siren Lookout has continued to impress me and kill me uh, on the other side of the <laughs> battlefield i think like you nailed it you were in we were maybe it was when i was skyping in with you but flying is so important in this format yeah uh so i think i would be on siren lookout over seeker square see i think siren lookout when siren lookout doesn't hit doesn't become a two three i'm pretty bummed like yes and when my opponent plays it and they reveal land i breathe a sigh of relief because it feels like they don't really have a relevant creature on the board whereas when seeker square hits a land it's not a big deal because it's coming down on turn two, you think? Because it's a two drop, yeah. yeah. So I, I think Seeker, I, I'm, I'm on Seeker Squire there more than uh, Siren Lookout. But our boy Curzone, what did he take? He took Siren Lookout. He was oh. in agreement with me. Oh, well, well, well. Look at you. <laughs> okay. I think I would actually be on Kumena Speaker, though, for myself. I think Siren Lookout and Seeker Squire are ultimately probably replaceable. I, mm. I think I would pick, I think Kumena Speaker is the most powerful archetypal card there and i think that's what i would be interested in and just like you're okay passing up on because everything else is like pretty low power level or medium power level like even secret squire is my pick i'm like it is it is replaceable i mean it is just a two drop that like does a thing when it comes into play so you're like i'm gonna take commenda speaker and if merfolk doesn't happen i'm not gonna get pigeonholed by it but if merfolk happens i'm gonna get rewarded for taking it Right. And I'm also fine with a one mana two two, like if I end up in green blue or whatever, like it doesn't have to be an exactly merfolk. Right. So yeah, I think I would be on that there. But Curzon took Siren Lookout. So we've got several, several paths already happening here. This is an, that was an interesting first pick. Yeah. Pick two, moving on, you see the following cards. Atsakan Archer, two and a green for the one four human archer, I assume. Uh, with a reach and when it enters the battlefield, you may have it fight target creature you no, target creature. Can be it's your own creatures. Creature, yeah. yeah. Then you see Inspiring Cleric, two and a white for the 3-2, and when it enters the battlefield, you gain four life. Pious Interdiction, three and a white for the Enchantment, Pacifism Effect, target creature can't attack or block, and you gain two life when it enters the battlefield. Prosperous Pirates, four and a blue for the 3-4 Pirate, when it enters the battlefield, you get two treasure tokens. And Vanquish the Weak, two and a black for the instant speed, destroy target creature, power three or less. This is a really interesting pack based on the fact that we all took three different cards in pack one. Yes. So if I took Seeker Squire first, I think this is a pretty easy Vanquish the Week for me to follow up with. It's like probably the best card in the pack, if not the best. Like It's like either the best card or the second best, depending on how you rate Pious Interdiction, I think. But I'd be happy to go Seeker Squire into Vanquish the Week. Curzone taking Siren Lookout? What, where would you follow up uh, Siren Lookout? See, that's interesting. Like, regardless, I think, of the first pick for mm -hmm. me, I think I'm on the same card here. If I had taken Seeker Squire or Commander Speaker or Siren Lookout, I think I would be on Pious Interdiction here. Yeah. I, th I think Vanquish the Week has gone down for me over the course of the format. Like, it essentially doesn't have instant speed, right? Because you're always so worried about your opponent, like, having pump in response uh -huh. or whatever. Like, there's just a chance to get blown out. So you just usually fire it off on your own turn. Except if you're ahead and you can afford to... You can you can be the one having the blowout, and you can be like, all right, they wanted to attack last turn with, with what looked like an unfavorable attack, so next turn I leave up Vanquish the Week, and they make that same attack, and then go to Pump or whatever, and you mm -hmm. get to blow them out. Yes, yeah, I guess if you're ahead, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying, that you are more often than not firing this off when they're tapped out, just so you don't get blown out by some sort of combat trick, but... I think, uh, and that, that still is, is a one-for-one, one, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. So that's interesting to me. Uh, yeah, I think Siren Lookout, I would take Pious Interdiction. Commander Speaker 2, and you just, that 
that feels like you are kind of abandoning it. You're just like, all right, I'm off it. I'm very willing to abandon my first three, four picks. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I'm, I'm still on, I'm happy to have Seeker Squire and Vanquish the Week as one, two there, even though I do think Vanquish is slightly worse than Pious Interdiction. Yeah, so I think we should, like, for the sake of not making this insanely complex, I think yeah. we should navigate the rest of the draft with Seeker Squire and Vanquish, since you're since you're the one going through here. Okay, great. Seeker Squire Vanquish. Sounds good. Speaking of, mm-hmm. Kurzon took Vanquish the Week there. Yes, that's that's important. Yes, in agreement with you. So, so Kurzon now has Vanquish the Week and Siren Lookout in their pile. Moving on to pick three. See the following cards. Windstrider, four and a blue for the 3-3 three, three Flash Flying Merfolk. Skyblade of the Legion, one and a white for the 1-3 Vampire with Flying. Colossal Dreadmaw, four green green for the 6-6 Dinosaur with Trample. And a Raging Sword Tooth, three red green for the 5-5 Dinosaur. When it enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to each other creature, and it's got Trample. I hate this pack. <laughs> yeah, not good. I mean, yeah, we had like two really interesting packs, and now I have a pack with cards that I am not happy to take. So there is not a black card worth mentioning, so I have to take a non-black card here. And I don't know what I want. I'm, I'm looking at Windstrider and Skyblade of the Legion, I think, as just like flying threats and blue-black and black-white are good color pairs. So I think I'd probably be on like, I don't know, maybe taking Skyblade and hoping Vamps is open to go with my two black cards. This pack feels pretty poopy to me. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I think if I had the two black cards, I would be on Skyblade of the Legion and hoping that Vamps was open, but I would just kind of write this write this pack off. I'm not I'm not particularly interested in abandoning my first two picks for a raging sword tooth. Yeah. That card seems like a card I want to pick up when I'm already in red green dinosaurs as opposed to a reason to move into red green dinosaurs for me. I mean I think there's an argument for this pack is so weak like just take the best card in the pack which is raging sword tooth I guess. Yeah, I agree. And if that's a signal that dinosaurs is open, then great you move in and if it's not then whatever you did you missed out on a skyblade. So it's pretty close there, but yeah, it feel, feels bad to take a sword tooth here if you have Vanquish and Seeker Squire. Yeah. Uh, so Kurzone also settled on Raging Sword Tooth. So they have Siren Lookout, Vanquish the Weak, and Raging Sword Tooth in their pile. And you've got the two black cards and Skyblade. Mm-hmm. Moving on to pick four, we see the following cards. Tashana's Wayfinder, which is two and a green for the 2-2 Merfolk Scout uh, that explores when it enters the battlefield. River Herald's Boon. Steadfast Armasaur. Three and a white for the two three dinosaur that has one white tap and butt fight essentially. So it deals <laughs> <laughs> deals damage equal to its toughness to target attacking or blocking creature. Target creature that's attacking or blocking it, right? That's blocked. Oh yes, or yes, not, yes, not ta- yeah. yes, yes, not attack. Yes, that would be so busted if it was yeah. any any attacking or blocking creature. <laughs> Someone in chat the other day thought that that's what that card did. They're like, "Why didn't you deal damage to this other thing?" I was like, "Oh no, no, no. this card is not like a mythic rare. It's a." Uh... It's just an uncommon. Yeah, again, tough. Uh, Steadfast Armasaur is not a card that I value very highly. And uh, even if I had taken Skyblade just then, I think I'd probably be on a card that is not listed here, which is Dire Fleet Hoarder, uh, the one in a black 2-1 that makes a pirate when it, or makes a treasure when it dies, just to like stick with black. But maybe that's stubborn and I should just be like, look, I just like just passed up a Raging Sword Tooth. There's like a couple green cards worth taking in this pack. Maybe I just grab Tishana's Wayfinder and and try and, and move into what might be open versus what I what I took my first few picks. Yeah, this has been a very interesting draft. Really tough to navigate. Yes, there's been a lot of options. And I don't like I don't know that I recall a roundtable where you and I have like disagreed this much on yeah. like how we would have navigated through the draft. That's so that's so interesting. Uh, so Kurzone took Tishana's Wayfinder. Yeah. And so now they've got Siren Lookout, Vanquish the Week, Raging Sword Tooth, and Tishana's Wayfinder in their pile. Mm-hmm. Moving on to pick five, they see Paladin the Bloodstained. Three and a white for the three two. Uh, when it enters the, uh, it's a vampire, and when it enters the battlefield, you make a one one vampire token with lifelink. And lurking chupacabra, three and a black for the two three. Your boy, my boy. When a creature enters the battlefield that explores, you get to give target creature minus two minus two until end of turn. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly depending on how I navigated this draft with Seeker Squire first, I would be fist pumping, grabbing chupacabra, and feeling like I had a direction. Being black X explore, and I think Kurzone. Having taken Tashana's Wayfinder, I would imagine also takes the Chupacabra here. 
Yeah, they did. And so they Curzon has like a lot of options to go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Siren Lookout, Vanquish the Weak, Raging Swordtooth, Tashana's Wayfinder, and Chupacabra. So a couple black cards and uh, uh, green cards. They could be set up to just be straight like black green explorer with the Vanquish, the Wayfinder, and the Chupacabra. Mm-hmm. Maybe they splash the Raging Swordtooth, probably abandoning the Siren Lookout because they haven't seen any blue really to speak of since their first pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they end up getting a bunch of Chupacabras, not a bunch of Explorer in the pack, um, but some good green uh, spells with a Thundering Spine back and a Savage Stomp, and also opening a spicy little Huatli in pack two uh, that I don't know if they ended up splashing or not in their final build, but certainly a, a powerful little Explorer deck came through for them uh, with some good fixing and good payoffs. Um, but yeah, r- really tough draft to navigate at the start. Uh, don't know what uh, what is correct there, which is pretty crazy considering how deep into the format we are. Yeah. So the next draft that I want to do is one that I was watching uh, on another stream this week. Uh, Jamie Topples had a really interesting draft that I wanted to to take everyone through a few picks for. So Ben, take a seat at the round table. And the cards that you're looking at in consideration are Shining Aerosaur, four and a white for the three, four flying dinosaur. Fathom Fleet Firebrand, one and a red for the two, two pirate with smoke breathing, one and a red, plus one, plus O until end of turn. Patent pending. Patent pending, thank you. Uh, Deep Root Warrior, one and a green for the two, two merfolk that when it becomes blocked gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Snapping Sailback, four and a green for the four, four dinosaur with flash and enrage. If it's dealt damage, it gets a plus one, plus one counter put on it and search for Ascanta. oh boy from memory uh one and a blue for the enchantment that says at the beginning of your upkeep you look at the top card of your library you may put that card into your graveyard then if you have seven or more cards in your graveyard you may flip search for Ascanta, and it flips into Ascanta the sunken ruin which is a land that taps for a blue or you can pay two and a blue and tap it to look at the top four cards of your library you may reveal a non-creature spell from it and put it into your hand put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order you are a monster and does it tap for a blue or does it tap for a colorless taps for a blue they all tap for the color wow they are i i am impressed (laughs) uh so what do you think about this pack uh this is interesting i think i would for me personally i would immediately narrow it down to search for ascanta versus fathom fleet firebrand i think fathom fleet firebrand is enough better than deep root warrior as a two drop and it's more versatile than Deep Root Warrior essentially being a blue-green card. Not quite, but like definitely wants to go into blue-green. So that's interesting. I thought I, I think I've seen you put Deep Root Warrior in a lot of your green-black decks recently. I have, yeah. It's been it's been in there. Which I don't really like because it doesn't block well. But I think your black-green decks have been less dirtily more mid-range than mine have. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. So that's interesting to hear me hear you say Deep Root Warrior is not as flexible when I think you found it to be more flexible than I have. Well, I mean, I don't, I'm not thrilled about it. Like, I'm not, uh-huh. I just need two drops. I mean, right. so like, I'm not thinking, yes, I've got Deep Root Warrior in my black green deck. I'm just thinking, man, I need to have some two drops to trade off early in the game. Uh, and if it can trade, great. If it can't trade, I'll attack them back for two. But I just want to make sure I have a play on turn two in the format. And I think that ended up partially because I don't value ixali's diviner quite as highly as you do and i'm coming around yeah you'll, you'll, <laughs> uh, you'll get you'll get there so i think that's partially why that's happening that i end up with deep root warriors in my black green decks so i would i would immediately narrow it down to fathom flick firebrand between those two i'm off the five drops as a first pick yeah and then search for ascanta is like worth ticks like a couple bucks right so that's what i so i wanted to throw that out there so search for ascanta is like four bucks online which is you know, if you're trying to draft for value or to be able to draft as much as possible, it's important to be aware of cards that are like worth about a pack of value because those are generally things that are going to make it possible for you to to grind as many drafts as you want. So with that in mind, are you happy to play Search for Ascanta in a limited deck? Absolutely. I'm thrilled. Cool. And does it like, do you feel like it's pigeonholes you in the way that Deep Root Warrior kind of pigeonholes you? Or do you feel like it goes in a variety of decks? I would play Search for Ascanta in any blue deck. Really? Interesting. Yes. I think I think I value the the Think Tank option. There's an old, an old card called Think Tank that lets you do this. I think that's just a very powerful effect in limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would play this in any blue deck. Even with the format being pretty fast? Even with the format being pretty fast. I think the card selection it provides you over the course of a game like if you play this now, if you're not playing this on turn two, it's a lot less good. Like, I mean, I would want like a certain number of non-creature spells in my deck, 
but I mean, I think it's a powerful card. I think you could play this in an aggro deck. I think of it more of a as a build around than I'm going to play it in any blue deck. Like, I'm happy to first pick it, I think, one, because it's worth money, but two, because it's it's got, like... A lot. I feel like you need a lot. You need to be able to create a deck where playing that on turn two doesn't leave you dead to like red white aggro. And also when it flips, if it flips, like having good things to to grab with it. So yeah, I, I think on Magic Online, I'm on search for Ascanta for sure because mm-hmm. I like the card and it's worth money. If I was at day one of a GP or day two of a GP rather, I think I would be on Fathom Fleet Firebrand. I don't think I would quite have the guts to take Search for Ascanta day two of a GP. Now, let me throw this out to you. If you're drafting a GP, you reveal Search, uh, Search Ooh, for Ascanta yeah. to the whole you table. Do. So you get to be like, mm. I'm drafting blue. Get out of my lane, which I think there's value in that. Yeah, maybe I would. Yeah, that's true. Know. Regardless, uh, so it sounds like you're you, you you're on Search for Ascanta as well. Yes, I think so. So Jamie also took search, I think primarily because she was like, well, it's money and I don't think I'm missing out on a ton if I don't end up playing it or end up like being red and passing Fathom Fleet. Like it's not a big deal, which I, I think I'm in total agreement with. Her next pack, uh, you're taking a look at Slash of Talons, uh, one white for the instant, deal two damage to target attacking or blocking creature. Skullduggery, a single black for the instant, uh, target creature you control gets plus one plus one until end of turn and target creature you don't control gets minus one minus one until end of turn uh, siren lookout pounce atzacan archer and dead eye plunderers uh, that's three blue black for the three three human pirate that gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control and you can pay two blue black to make a treasure token some interesting options here so the card that stands out to me the most uh, after having picked search for Ascanta is Siren Lookout, mm-hmm. just as like a good flying follow up. I think the best card out of those might be Skullduggery, but I think I, I think I'm on Siren Lookout over Skullduggery as pairing up with search for Ascanta because ideally I'm going to want to build a, a more controlling deck around search for Ascanta and Skullduggery shines in an aggressive deck that's putting pressure on your opponent. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd be on Siren Lookout here. Yeah, I so in in, in this draft so i feel like jamie took search and was like well, i'm just taking it for money and then we'll see what happens which i think is great and then she looked at this pack and sort of was like i see this blue card in my pile and i also see siren lookout which is a, a good card but i just sort of posed the question isn't skullduggery just the best card in, in the pack like if this were pack one pick one you would take skullduggery i think right yes, I, I, agree. I would take skullduggery yeah yes i agree but it sounds like you're thinking well siren lookout plus search is better than just skullduggery yeah Yes, and I don't think Skullduggery goes... I don't think Skullduggery is going to be at its best in a deck with Search for Ascanta if, right. if we're trying to go the controlling build around Search for Ascanta route. Right, blue-black does generally not feel like a control deck to me uh, in this format. Yeah, so I guess that, that makes sense hearing that out loud. I was thinking it was more like... I still think of Search for Ascanta as more of a, a pigeonhole card than that, but maybe it's not, and it's fine to just go, yeah, I'll just take Siren Lookout. But I think I might have just hedged on Skullduggery here. Jamie took Siren Lookout. Uh, she's now got the same as you. Search for Ascanta 1, Siren Lookout 2. She's looking at pack 3 with Water Trap Weaver, 2 in a blue for the 2-2 Merfolk. When it comes into play, you tap target creature you don't control. It doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. Thrash of Raptors, 3 in a red for the 3-3 Dinosaur that gets plus 2 plus 0 and trample if you control another dinosaur. Siren's Ruse, 1 in a blue for the instant. Exile target creature you control, then return it to the battlefield. If that creature was a pirate, you draw a card. And Call to the Feast, dinner's ready, two white-black for the sorcery. Put three one-one vampire tokens with lifelink into play. Uh, yeah, this this pick looks super easy to me. I already having two blue cards in my pile. I would just snap up Water Trap Weaver and be thrilled here. Uh, I think Call to the Feast, you could maybe say, is a, a signal for vampires at this point, but it's a little early to be determining that. It's only pick three. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I think I just happily snap up Water Trap Weaver. It's a great card. It's going to be good in any blue deck uh, and move on. It leaves me a lot of flexibility down the road for the rest of the draft. It does leave you a lot of flexibility. So the, I, I'm, I'm diverging from you. You are straight on the Jamie line. She also took Water Trap Weaver. She had a little bit of why me mentality here. And she was like, no, why didn't I take Skullduggery? Now I'm seeing Call to the Feast. And I was like, well, if you think Call to the Feast is a vampire signal, why don't you take it? And that, like, didn't get to her in time because of the Twitch chat delay until she got to the next pack. But I I could see she was, I didn't know if it was, like, you know, part of her Twitch performance persona, like, trying, not that she's, like, putting anything on, but, you know, you you try and, like, amp up the drama. So maybe she was like, no, why not this? When really she didn't care that much. But she did grab the Water Trap Weaver, and I think I would be pretty tempted by Call to the Feast here. 
So I, th- I think I would be on search Skullduggery Called the Feast, which is a totally fine route. But yeah, you guys are in, in a pretty f- flexible land here with three blue cards in your pile. And now moving on to pick four, got Windstrider, uh, Raptor Companion. That's one and a white for the three one. Direfully Interloper, three and a black for the two two Pirate with Menace and Explore. Anointed Deacon, four and a black for the three three Vampire. Uh, and in your begin combat step, you get to give target vampire you control plus two plus oh until end of turn and favorable wins one and a blue for the enchantment creatures with flying you control get plus one plus one i would be eyeing that favorable wins here i don't think i'm quite willing to pick it fourth so i think i would be on windstrider here uh the three three flash flyer mm-hmm. and hoping to wheel favorable wins and like maybe making future picks like within my the fact in mind that i might be wheeling a favorable wins uh, and maybe looking to do a sweet, like maybe blue, black, favorable wins deck. Those have been like very good when they come together. Yeah. Again, I mean, you're a hundred percent in line with Jamie. So the only reason I thought this draft was interesting was because I just like totally diverged. I went, I would have taken anointed deacon here after obviously taking call to the feast and be thrilled about like looking at vampire signals. I'm surprised to hear you say that anointed deacon doesn't even like show up here for you as a signal for vampires. Like it's looking like having just passed call to the feast. Wouldn't you be like, Wait, maybe vampires is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, I would be thinking that, except, like, I've got fine blue cards. I, I've really started liking Windstrider lately. Like, I think flying's great in the format, mm-hmm. uh, like, after coming back to it from Iconic Masters. And I think having passed the call to the feast, I'm not, like, had I taken call to the feast, I would be on Anointed Deacon here for sure. But having passed it, like, it's not like I, there's not been playable cards in the deck that I'm trying to draft. No, for sure. And I'm a little, like... If I'm honest, I'm a little vampired out. I'm not Ixaloned out at all, but like it feels like drafting vampires feels like a little bit like drafting mono red in cube where like just once you decide you're in like the draft is super uninteresting. Not and not that I'm like trying to steer away from it here, but I'm just fine with where I'm at. Yeah, that makes total sense. You will be happy to know that she did end up in a really sweet blue black favorable wins deck. Ooh, she I like had, it. I think, three favorable wins, like a bunch of Blight Keepers. She had like two Stormfleet Aerialists. Um, it was really sweet. I think she ended up only two running with the deck, but I think she posted it on Twitter and said this was a 3-0 in my heart. And uh, I, I totally agree. It was a very sweet deck that she ended up getting. Awesome. All right. Uh, are you ready to take a seat at the round table, my friend? We got another one here. I'm sitting down, baby. All right. This is one of my drafts from recently on stream this week. Mm-hmm. First pick was tough. I had no idea what was right. Uh, the two cards you're choosing between the rest of the pack was complete and total poo. Uh, you see a Danto Vanguard, one and a white for the one one vampire uh, that when it attacks, it gets plus two plus oh, and you can pay for life to give it indestructible and Ripjaw Raptor, which is two green green for the four five dinosaur with the enraged trigger of draw a card. Um, well, I think based on you saying I'm a little vampired out, I can guess which card you took. <laughs> yeah, I took Ripjaw Raptor, but I like I sat there. I let it. I let the clock run down. I had no clue. So I think, yeah, I mean, the rest of the pack is pretty poopy. I'm <laughs> looking at it right now. It's hard, hard to even come up with another card worth mentioning. Yeah, I think for me, it's Ripjaw Raptor also for reasons of I think I want to dirtle more than I want to draft an aggro deck with a Danto Vanguard in it. Not that Vanguard pigeonholes you into vampires by any stretch, like you're playing Vanguard in any white deck you have, but Ripjaw Raptor is just really sweet, and it's a a particularly sweet card to have with the idea of, oh, I want to draft a a green, black, green, blue-based control deck. It's a a really strong card to start off with if that's what you want your deck to end up in. So I would take Ripjaw Raptor here. Yeah, so my reasoning was I do think Ripjaw Raptor is an intrinsically more powerful card than a Danto Vanguard. Mm-hmm. And I think like a Danto Vanguard does just get blanked like by, by people that want to blank it by a sailor of means or by like headwater sentries, the two five merfolk. There are a lot of cards that it's just real bad against. And I've been playing against more of those decks. Like I, since we did the Dirtle episode, like I swear. Do you, do you really think that we are changing the meta? I, uh, I don't know, but <laughs> I hope so, because I keep wanting to ask in chat and I never do. Like, I'll play against somebody that's like black green, has a cobbled wings in their deck, has a couple of like the three, three explore life linkers and a chupacabra. <laughs> and I'm just like, you listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So, yeah, I, I ended up settling on Ripjaw Raptor there. Moving on to pick two, you see the following cards, Thrash of Raptors, three and a red for the three, three dinosaur that when you control another dinosaur gets plus two plus O and it's 
got trample already, I think. No, it, it doesn't already have trample. It gets trample when, when you have another dinosaur? Okay. No, your Ixalan, Ben. Get it together. <laughs> Skullduggery, single black for the instant combat trick. Target creature gets plus one, plus one that you control. Target creature and opponent controls gets minus one, minus one. Raptor companion, one and a white for the three, one dinosaur. Ixali's diviner, one and a green for the O3 that explores when it enters the battlefield. And lookout's dispersal, two and a blue for the instant speed counter target spell unless its controller pays four. And if you control a pirate, it costs one less to cast. This is a pretty easy Exali's Diviner for me. That's interesting, yeah. With Ripjaw Raptor as number one, with my idea that I want to draft a kind of control deck with green, um, none of these other cards sort of fit that uh, mold except for... I'm, I'm happy to have Skullduggery if I'm green-black control as well. Like, it's not... It doesn't shine in a, a less aggressive deck, but it's still very serviceable as a, a combat trick or removal spell. But yeah, I just I think Exali's Diviner is very important for these kinds of decks, and I'm happy to grab it here over not much else, in my opinion. Yeah, I ended up this was a hard pick for me, I think because I value Exali's Diviner less than you. So I, I was like, all of these cards were kind of on par for me, Raptor Companion a little less. So I ended up settling on Lookout's Dispersal, mostly because I have the mentality that I think I'm supposed to wheel Exali's Diviners. And I just don't think that's the case anymore. It's and I not. Think I, need, I think I need to start picking them higher. Yeah. I think I think I'm just like a week ahead of that mentality of like I I like really like the card but you can get it late and now I just don't think you can anymore. Yep, I think and I think you're right. So that makes sense to me. So you've got Ripjaw Raptor and Exali's Diviner in your pile. Moving on to pick 3, you see the following cards. Shaper Apprentice, one in a blue for the 2/1 Merfolk that gets flying if you've got another Merfolk. Deep Root Warrior, Grim Captain's Call, two and a green for the sorcery, uh return each of one of the four creature types to your hand of dinosaur, vampire, pirate, and merfolk. And then the rest of the pack is also just stone unplayable. Like those are the only three playable cards. I think it's worth noting that Drowned Catacomb is in the pack. Yeah, that's fair. Because if if we're talking, you know, based on our, our Dirtle episode, if you're talking about drafting a Sultai-based control deck, I think that's a really viable pick here because it leaves you open to being green-blue-splash-black or green-black-splash-blue a little easier. I really, as we've talked about before, I do not like Deep Root Warrior in these kinds of decks. It might be worth taking just to cut green. I think there is also a thought that you could take, there's a Mark of the Vampire in this pack. You could like take Mark of the Vampire and hope that Grim Captain's Call wheels because Grim Captain's Call is a card you can get very late, like almost no one ever wants it. And it's really strong in these kinds of Dirtle decks because you often can get back three, four creatures with it. So that might be a thought process for me there, but it's I'm probably overthinking it, and it's probably just taking Deeper Warrior to stay in green um, and not move into something else and not send any green signals. But I might be tempted by Drowned Catacomb or Mark of the Vampire. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, I did settle on Deep Root Warrior, and I was I was actually thinking seeing both Deep Root Warrior and Shaper Apprentice that maybe I was going to be keeping an eye out for Merfolk. So I took Deep Root uh, Warrior because it matched up with my Ripjaw Raptor and was thinking I might be able to get into Merfolk. So funny. I have like just like blinders up. I'm not even seeing like the actual tribal decks anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to pick four. Uh, you see the following cards. Prosperous Pirates, four and a blue for the three, four pirate that makes you two treasure. Legion Conquistador, two and a white for the two, two vampire uh, that when it enters the battlefield, you can go search yourself up any number of copies of Legion Conquistador. Another Deep Root Warrior, Stormfleet Spy, two and a blue for the 2-2 Pirate that when it enters the battlefield, if you attacked with a creature this turn, you get to draw a card. Do you know what I'm going to take out of this pack? You're going to take Prosperous Pirates because you're a degenerate. Yep, that's true. <laughs> I'm going to take Prosperous Pirates because I want to be, you know, Dirtle Control, splash a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you have an addiction. I know. I settled on Deep Root Warrior because I was trying to keep an eye out for Merfolk and it matched up with Ripjaw Raptor and left me like fairly flexible having three green cards and a lookout dispersal in my pile that I could take or leave. Yeah, you have a better start to a draft than I would. <laughs> like, I, I think your picks are maybe more correct. I think I slightly disagree with the lookouts dispersal, but everything else makes total sense to me. And I think you're leaving yourself more open than I would. Yeah. Uh, moving on to pick five, we see the following cards. Windstrider, Vampire Zeal, single white for the combat trick, give target creature plus two plus two, and if it was a vampire, it gets first strike. Pirate's Cutlass, super late, fifth Jeez. pick. That's three mana for the equipment. Uh, equipped creature gets plus two plus one. It's got an equip cost of two, and when it enters the battlefield, you automatically attach it to a pirate you control. And Bishop Soldier, one and a white for the two two lifelink vampire, super late Bishop Soldier also. And an Atsican Archer, two and a green for the 1-4 reach. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you can have it fight 
target creature. So I think regardless of what I would want to do, my, my general rule is when this happens, I this happens meaning I see a Pirate's Cutlass fifth. That means that people at my table are not drafting Beard appropriately, and that means that I cannot draft the Dirtle deck. That's sort of my rule. So I would probably just, like, abandon ship here. I'm not really abandoning any ship, like, especially if I followed what you've done. Like, I'm just going to grab Pirate's Cutlass here and be happy with it with my two deeper warriors and be looking to be probably Merfolk, but, you know, maybe some other aggressive green X deck is is open as well. Um, but I, I think I'd just be on Cutlass here. That's interesting. Yeah, I was torn. Like, it, Cutlass is not good with the cards I've got so far. It's not bad. It's not bad, but it's not good. It's decidedly medium within a Merfolk deck. Like, I think in a good Merfolk deck, you're just not running Pirate's Cutlass, if if that's where you end up. And I was torn, and I ended up picking Atsukan Archer to match up with my Deep Root Warriors and Ripjaw Raptor to maybe leave more of a controlling Dirtle route open. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I love Atsukan Archer. You do not have to twist my arm <laughs> to take it at any point in a draft. How did this pack or this this draft end up for you? Yeah, I ended up moving into black green mid range. Uh, the rest of it wasn't super interesting. I got a couple chupacabras back to back, and then like wheeled some green and black cards and ended up settling into green black. Merfolk ended up not being open, uh, and we ended up trophying. It was a good, solid. Like it was, I think it got a little lucky to trophy, but it was a good, tight little mid range green black deck. Well done, sir. Very very nice. All right, so here I've got a draft for you that. Uh, I need, we need a little uh, a little primer for, I think. So I think we just come off trophying on stream. And Ryan Sachs typed in chat, like, what, do you, what what's something you, like, haven't done in this format yet? And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I don't know. Oh, oh you know what I haven't done in this format is the, the hijack makeshift munitions deck. Ooh. Like, I've not gotten to draft a sacrifice deck yet. And he was like, cool, like, let's try and do that. Or like, let, let you know, try, try and do something you haven't done. You know, many drafts deep, like we're maybe not like memeing, but like having fun. And I I'm, I feel very com- comfortable, like doing flexible things like that on stream and, and in draft. So with, with that in mind of like, what's something you haven't done? We, we, and we entered this draft. Uh, so you look at a pack with Territorial Hammer Skull, two and a white for the two, three dino. When it attacks, you tap target creature you don't control. Paladin of the Bloodstained, three and a white for the three, two vampire that makes a one, one lifelinking vampire token when it comes into play. Grazing Whiptail, two green, green for the three, four dino with reach. Tempest Caller, two blue, blue for the two, three merfolk when it comes into play. Tap all creatures you don't control. Seeker's Squire, the black explorer two drop. And Search for Azcanta, our money enchantment blue flip land. Yeah, so I think immediately I would narrow it down to Hammer Skull, Seeker's Squire, and Search for Azcanta, maybe? Mm-hmm. And I think I would quickly narrow it down after that to Hammer Skull and Search for Azcanta. Mm-hmm. Azcanta's money, Hammer Skull's great. I think if you're day two of a GP, you're probably picking Hammer Skull. I think it's yes. enough better than Search for Azcanta that you're jamming that there. Yeah. And I think like coming back to Ixalan has been nice for me because I just really want to win. Like I was yeah. right going into Iconic Masters, I was only on the all Dirtle all the time plan. And now I'm just kind of back to drafting normally, like with drafting Dirtle as a tool in my arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'd be on Hammer Skull here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think uh, there is money considerations here. And I think I just I'm never going to pass a card that is worth a pack. Um, but I definitely hear what you're saying about Hammer Skull. But with the idea of something I've never done before, I was like, you know what I haven't done is the Sanguine Sacrament loop. Yeah. And I remember the only time that worked was watching you against uh, another streamer. And they had Search Rescanta, Primal Amulet, and uh, the uh, the Sanguine Sacrament to, like, dig for it and then, like, cast it twice and get that loop going. So I was like, if Sanguine Sacrament gets opened, I'll see it and I'll have it with Search Rescanta. So I took Search here for money and also for the idea that I'm maybe going to try and build a, a blue-white control deck to take advantage of that. That sounds sweet. That's not potentially the correct thing to do, but that's where I was at mentally. Yeah. I don't know how Generation D20 did it. Like, anytime <laughs> I build a shell where Sanguine Sacrament is good, I never see it. And uh-huh. I always see it when I'm drafting an aggro deck. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, so moving on to pick two, you see a pack with Run Aground, three and a blue for the instant, put target artifact or creature on top of its owner's library. New Horizons, two and a green for the Enchant Land. Uh, Enchanted Land has tap, add two mana of any color to your mana pool, and when it enters the battlefield, you put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. Depths of Desire, two and a blue for the instant, bounce spell, and you make a treasure. Deep Root Warrior, your boy, Snapping Sailback, the Flash Dino, Seeker Squire, the Two Drop Explorer. 
Yeah. Uh, lots of like mediumly powerful cards here. Mm-hmm. I think run aground would be or depths, depending on your personal preference for those two cards. I'm, I think I'm on run aground over depths these days, uh, unless I'm dirtling pretty hard mm-hmm. uh, and I need the treasure token. I would narrow it down to one of those two to pair up with search for Ascanta or Seeker Squire, I think is probably the best creature. Uh, just like the most efficient creature. If you've got a search for Ascanta in your pile, uh, new horizons also, I guess, gets some consideration if you're trying to do like multicolored dirtling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I would just settle on Seeker Squire though, as the most efficient, powerful card out of those. Yeah. I mean, I think even, especially if you, if you're taking it, cause I think I'm higher on Seeker Squire than you are, then yeah, I'm definitely taking it here and pretty interesting. Like, flat power level of the pack uh run aground and depths i think are great but you can get them later i don't think you need to take it here um so yeah grab seeker squire move on to pick three uh you see a pack with not many options a territorial hammer skull a fathom fleet firebrand and a jade guardian that's the three and a green two two hex proof put a counter on a merfolk you control when it comes into play oh yeah uh i'm just slamming hammer skull here if i've already got a slammer skull in my pile and i think it's still just probably the best card out of those three yeah, I sort of sighed and took it here because I was like, well, I'm pretty bummed that I passed it pack one and have to take one now, but it's just head and shoulders above the rest of the pack that it's worth taking here. Um, and then pick four, you see another hammer skull, you see a one with the wind, one and a blue for the enchantment, Put a, the enchanted creature gets plus two plus two and has flying. Um, Sky Terror, red white for the two two dino with flying and menace. Lightning rig crew, two and a red for the O5 pirate, taps to deal damage to each opponent, and whenever you cast a pirate spell, you untap it. And Conqueror's Galleon, one of my Ooh, favorite baby. cards in the format. Uh, four mana for the 210 vehicle with crew four. Uh, when it attacks, you flip it, you exile it at end of combat, and it comes into play untapped, flipped, and it flips into, oh gosh, what is it? Like some, some land, I don't know what it's called, but it has a number of abilities on it. Uh, taps for a colorless, two tap, loot, Two or four tap draw a card, six tap return target card from your graveyard to your hand. Basically says if the board stalled out at all, you win the game. Right. What do you think here? Uh, I'm obviously slamming another hammer skull. Yeah, my deck's going to be insanely good. Yeah, you have three hammer skulls and four picks. Yes, and I'm certain you could not resist the lure of Conqueror's Galleon. I could not, but it, that's it's really incorrect. Like even if I just took the the Hammer Skull pick three, I really should just take Hammer Skull four here and, yes. and move on. Absolutely. So, so I did grab Conqueror's Galleon here, and the rest of the pack I sort of took cards that let me maybe take advantage of Galleon and Search for Ascanta. So I grabbed a Prosperous Pirates, a Call to the Feast. A Sailor of Means. I grabbed a couple Pirates Prizes towards the end of the pack. Those are the the divinations that for four mana that Ooh, give yeah. you a treasure. So those are are nice little bonuses with you know things that you can grab with a flipped search for Ascanta, etc. So I'm looking to to have a blue white control deck. So I I wanted to move into to pack two with that in mind because I think there were a couple interesting picks at the start. Um, the first one is is not maybe super interesting. But you're looking at a pack with Pious Interdiction, New Horizons, Deep Root Warrior, Wild Growth Walker, the one in the green, 1-3, whenever you explore, it gets a plus one, plus one counter, and you gain three life. A Siren Storm Tamer, the single blue pirate, uh, 1-1 flyer, and it has a blue sacrifice it to counter target spell or ability that targets you or a creature you control. And um, Bright Reprisal, four and a white, destroy target attacking creature, draw a card. Yeah, that's interesting. You probably need some removal. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a an interesting pick between Pious Interdiction and Bright Reprisal, I think, because Pious Interdiction is just a better card, but Bright Reprisal is a lot sweeter with like Conqueror's Galleon and right. Search for Ascanta. Yeah. I, I think I wouldn't be able to resist the value if we're already drafting this style of deck. I think I'd be on Bright Reprisal there. It's really interesting, and I think it's what I should have taken. I took Pious Interdiction because I was like, oh, it's just like Interdiction is better and we need the life gain, but it ended up that we didn't get a spell to buy back with Galleon. Like we, we were pretty removal light. And and one of the things that you, if you've played with Conqueror's Galleon flipped, which if you're a good drafter, you probably haven't because the card is <laughs> like, you know, it's like really clunky and really hard to make work. But when it does, it feels so good. But one of the things you want is like a removal spell that you can rebuy because like if you can lock someone out with like infinite contract killings or whatever, um, you're probably going to win the game in a stalled out board. Pious Interdiction doesn't let you do that. Um, Bright Reprisal would let you do that in a way. Um, so I think uh, you have the right idea there. Uh, this next pick is uh, the last one I want to look at. And this pick has uh, 
you looking at Water Trap Weaver, two and a blue for the two two merfolk that tap something, a pirate's cutlass, a mark of the vampire, and Stormfleet Spy, two and a blue for the two two pirate with raid uh, draw card. Uh, yeah, this pick's interesting. I mean, the the best card intrinsically is Pirate's Cutlass, but it's mm-hmm. probably not doing a ton for you in your deck if you're on this controlling plan with Conqueror's Galleon. So I think the best defensive card here is probably water trap weaver yeah for sure it was a pretty clear water trap weaver for me um and i wanted to bring this up because i think water trap weaver is worse than cutlass and in some ways worse than stormfleet spy depending on what your deck is looking like or what your synergies are looking like but for what we were trying to do the cards in our pile so far we needed a defensive card with with weaver and i had a lot of people in chat vying for stormfleet spy or pirates cutlass and sort of confused about why i was taking water trap weaver over them like you know we have two three mana two two blue spells and one of them is better than the other right the other one of them draws you a card but i was like just think about what our deck is doing are we ever attacking no like not really until we're winning the game so the like tiny value from Stormfleet's by drawing us a card is almost never going to happen whereas the defensive ability of water trap weaver sort of like timing out a creature on the other side for a turn is super valuable for us to like get our our dirtle on with our search for Ascanta and our conqueror's galleon Yep, and trades, like a 2-2 body trades well right. in the format. For sure. Um, so the rest of the pack was, was you know, sort of worked out well. We grabbed an Inspiring Cleric, which sort of solidified me into doing the blue-white control route. Got a Shining Aerosaur, a Slash of Talons, and other Prosperous Pirates, and and ended up with a pretty bad blue-white deck, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I, did, I got, like, paired up to a 2-0 person in round one and ended up beating a, a pretty sweet Merfolk deck, but then ended up scrubbing out the rest of the draft. Ugh, bummer. Yeah, well, it's fine. I mean, the deck was a, a mess, but some interesting picks, I think. All right. Uh, I've got another draft here. This one was interesting. This is actually my draft I did last night at the end of the stream. There were a lot of hard picks in the beginning and a lot of different avenues to go down, I thought. So pack one, pick one. You see the following cards. Vanquish the Weak. Sky March Bloodletter. Two and a black for the 2-2 vampire that drains one when it enters the battlefield. River Herald's Boon. Thundering Spineback, the five green green for the five five dinosaur that's got five and a green to uh, poop out a three three dinosaur with trample and all <laughs> dinosaur creatures you control get plus one plus one and lightning strike one in a red instant speed deal three damage to creature or player. Yeah, I mean, as much as I want to play with Thundering Spineback, I can't pass the lightning strike here. Yes, I agree. Clear lightning strike. Yeah. Uh, but I, I gave you a shout out on stream. I didn't know if you would be able to resist Spineback. So we now know the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> Pick two, you see the following cards after having a lightning strike in your pile. Sure Strike, Sailor of Means, uh, two and a blue for the 1-4 pirate that when it enters the battlefield, you make a treasure. Ranging Raptors, two and a green for the 2-3 dinosaur with the enraged trigger of uh, Rampant Growth. Search your library for basic land and put it onto the battlefield tapped. And Bellowing Igasaur, five and a white for the 3-5 dinosaur with the enraged trigger of put a plus one plus one counter on your team. This is interesting. So you see no good red cards to follow up your lightning strike with. So then looking at maybe just what's the best card in the pack. And I think the best card in the pack might be Ranging Raptors, just intrinsically, but it doesn't fit into most decks that I like unless I am in a a green-based control deck. I don't really like it in the aggro dinosaur decks. And we just passed a Spineback, which, you know, don't get too heady about what you're passing. Be more interested in what signals you're receiving than the signals you're sending. But that is, I think, worth noting that someone near to your left will be in green-based dinosaurs, so you may not get the hook up in pack two. Um, but Sailor of Means is just, I mean, it's one of the best, as we outlined in Dirtletown, it's one of the best cards you can have for a Dirtle-based control deck. Lightning Strike is super splashable in these kinds of decks. So Sailor of Means seems like a pretty good follow-up here. That's what I settled on for the exactly the reasons you listed. I thought it was more flexible, and I just don't really want to be red-green dinosaurs. No. Uh, it's not a particularly interesting deck, but good. And it's not where ranging raptors is best no it's not uh so i was i was between ranging raptors and sailor of means there and i settled on sailor of means nice moving on to pick three you see the following cards thrash of raptors sure strike mark of the vampire wild growth walker one green for the one three and when a creature enters the battlefield on your side and explores you get to put a plus one plus one counter on it and gain three life and then you see there's no playable blue in the pack no playable blue yeah i mean i really like wild growth walker i know you really like wild growth walker even more than i do i think but it's really good to get early because you can sort to like 
start to, I don't know, craft your deck around it, value explorers more, value fixing more, so you can take advantage of more explorers. Um, but I might be tempted by Thrash of Raptors here. Like, that might be the quote-unquote correct pick um, to go with your Lightning Strike. But I think I'd be on Walker here and, and be looking to do something sweet. Yeah, that's what I, I was the exact same place as you were. I was torn between Walker and Thrash of Raptors. And I decided Wild Growth Walker sounded like more fun. And I like playing that deck a lot. And I just didn't really want to be in a Dinosaurs deck. But Thrash of Raptors could very well be the pick there. And then moving on to pick four, this is where I really started to get a little bit of uh, a little bit of why me mentality. Uh-huh. See, the, see the following cards. Thrash of Raptors again. Sure Strike again ranging raptors another copy and rowdy crew the two red red mythic rear that has no business being in this pack fourth pick first of all people still don't understand how good this card is but this goes fourth yeah it's a three three trample pirate uh when it enters the battlefield you draw three cards then discard two cards at random which is just better strictly better than draw a card and if you to the two cards you discarded at random shared a type like if it's two lands two creatures whatever you get to put two plus one plus one counters on it there's no reason this card should still be here i don't think there's any card i would take any uncommon or common i would take over rowdy crew um so there's no reason for it to be here and i'm taking it here uh i might take monster sore over it monster sore i guess yeah maybe monster sore yeah that's fair okay one card but yeah like so rowdy crew's the pick but then i'm thinking man if i had gone like ranging raptors and a thrash of raptors and a rowdy crew like we could be on track for a solid red green dinos deck and then pick five i got faced with another tough choice uh mm. see the following cards deep root warrior tashana's wayfinder Otapek Huntmaster, the one in a red for the one two uh human close human shaman maybe mm-hmm. uh, i think that at dinosaur spells you control cost one less to cast and it can tap to give target dinosaur haste until end of turn shipwreck looter one in a blue for the two one pirate that lets you loot uh if you triggered raid and that's really it yeah this is hard so i think it's between otapek Huntmaster if i'm thinking about being red based dinos but you currently don't have any dinos right um, right you've got you got two pirates a lightning strike and the elemental wild growth walker <sighs> yeah i mean and and tishana and tishana's wayfinder pairs very nicely with my wild growth walker that i've got in my pile yeah, I think I I might just be on Wayfinder there just because you don't actually have dinosaurs and you have passed like two Ranging Raptors and two Thrasher Raptors and a Spineback. And I just like might want to just continue to let the person on my left be in dinosaurs and let me get the green explorers from them. So I think I might just be on Wayfinder here, but that could be wrong. And this could be the time when it's like you have to move like you see Huntmaster here, you move in. Don't worry about the fact that someone to your left is also in dinosaurs. Yeah, I took Huntmaster and I I think correctly, well, certainly correctly as the draft ended up. Mm-hmm. But so here was my thinking, like if I had taken Wayfinder, I think I was a band. I think I was still going to be base red green, which isn't like a great dirtle deck just because of Rowdy Crew. Well, Rowdy Crew's so hard to cat. It's double red. So like if we're green blue, like splashing a double colored card is no small task unless you have a lot of Prosperous Pirates and or New Horizons. It's no small task, but Rowdy Crew is... You don't have to cast it on turn four for it to be good. And I think you actually take advantage of the draw three discard to at random if you cast it much later in the game. Later in the game, I agree, yeah. So I think I could still look to be... Now, you haven't seen any blue, so it's a little dubious to be like, well, I could still be green, blue, splashing Rowdy Crew. Or splashing Rowdy Crew and Lightning Strike. But uh, I hear what you're saying. Um, But I think I might just be too, too much in love with Wild Growth Walker plus Wayfinder and be a little concerned about the number of dinosaurs in red green that we've already passed that taking the on master here might just be a dead pick especially because you have no dinosaurs right now yes it was certainly a yes i agree it was a risky pick but i decided that it was it was a signal and i was gonna take it and see what was open uh and i ended up getting rewarded pretty hard not not to say that that determines whether it was right or wrong but i think it was a super interesting pick and i ended up hard in red green dinos and it was open and my deck was great that's awesome so i'm curious to see how the deck plays out uh it's currently waiting for me on magic online Ooh, baby. I love that. I love that. And we'll have, you'll have to keep us updated on uh, on Twitter or Discord. So uh, I had a pretty interesting draft. This was the one that you were looking, you came in to look at, I think, on stream because we were reviewing it yesterday. And you were like, was alcohol involved in this draft? Um, <laughs> and there was alcohol involved. But, but even so, I think it's a really tough draft to navigate. So the first pack is not super interesting. You open up Regisaur Alpha. That's the three red green, four four dino. Dinos you control have haste, and it makes a three three token with trample when it comes into play pretty big bomb i mean there's a vanquish the week in the pack and not much else to speak of so you just snap up register alpha and move on um the second pack 
is much, much weaker. Uh, you see a pack with Pounce, the Fight Spell, Deep Root Warrior, a Dire Fleet Hoarder. I don't really know what else there is to mention in this pack. A Sheltering Light, that's the single white trick. Target creature gains indestructible. Scry one. There's a Pirate's Prize, the Divination, but it's a pr- pretty weak uh, power level pack to look at. Yeah, I would be on, I think, Deep Root Warrior over Pounce. I, mm-hmm. I am just so down on Pounce. Uh, and Deep Root Warrior is like a fine aggressive card. Good two drop. Two drops are super important in the format. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think I'm just, yeah, I, I, as evidenced by this this entire episode, I'm just down on Deep Root Warrior in non-Merfolk decks. Um, and I, I was generally not happy with Pounce, but I, with a Register Alpha first, that is what I followed up with. And I think I stand by that looking at this draft viewer a few days later. In pack one, pick three, you see a Danto Vanguard, an Atsakan Archer, an Emissary of Sunrise, that's two and a white for the 2-1 with First Strike and Explore, uh, New Horizons, the two and a green fi- Mana Fixer, uh, and a Thrash of Raptors, and a Windstrider. Whew, this is interesting. Yeah. Uh, so some great white cards there in Adanto Vanguard and Emissary. Mm-hmm. But Dinosaur and Thrash of Raptors to go along with your Registor Alpha if you wanted to go down that route. Uh, New Horizons and Atsican Archer, like Atsican Archer being a defensive card for the Dirtle deck and New Horizons being a fixing card for the Dirtle deck. Mm-hmm. I think I would just be on Vanguard here as like the best card in the pack to me. Ooh, yeah. I mean, Vanguard is definitely the best card in the, in the pack. Vanguard's not better than like so here's my thinking I think I agree that Vanguard is the best card in the pack but I don't think that Vanguard is better than taking than having Registrar Alpha plus either one of the two green cards we just took plus a green or a red card out of this pack so that that's where that's where I'm, I'm at in terms of like switching for Vanguard here but it's certainly defensible I think what I should have taken is Thrash of Raptors I think think my takeaway from like looking at these draft viewers today and also thinking about the matches that I played this week is that I'm not valuing that card high enough. It's so good. Really good. If you're able to prioritize dinosaurs, like having a 5-3 trample is just tough to deal with. And even if you trade with it, you're probably taking some amount of damage off of it. And if you've built an aggressive deck around it, it's just even better. So I think I should have taken Thrash of Raptors here and just sort of like pigeonholed myself into dinosaurs to take advantage of Regisaur Alpha. What I unfortunately did, and this is, I think, the worst pick that I made, uh, <laughs> was take New Horizons because I was like, I want a Dirtle. I want. I don't want to be green, red dinos. I want to splash Regisaur Alpha. And I think New Horizons is important to the deck, but this was a bad pick. I think I should have taken Thrash of Raptors or Adanto Vanguard if I wanted to hedge. And then this next pick, I'm just curious to get your your take on. Uh, you're looking at a pack with Crash the Ramparts. That's the two in a green combat trick, plus three, plus three, and trample until end of turn. A Fathom Fleet Firebrand, a Pirate's Prize, and a Tillanali's Knight, the one in a red two, two, that when it attacks, if you control a dinosaur, it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Uh, yeah, so you're between the two red two drops there, mm-hmm. I would assume. And yeah. I think I would be on Fathom Fleet Firebrand just as an intrinsically way more powerful card than Tillanali's Knight, except mm-hmm. if you end up in like the most focused of red green dinosaurs decks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'd be on Fathom Fleet Firebrand there this early in the draft. That is what I took as well. But I wonder if I went uh, Regisaur, Pounce, Thrash of Raptors, if Tillanali's Knight is a better pick there for like, I think also for signaling, like. Fathomfleet Firebrand goes in any red deck, um, but might lead someone towards pirates, whereas Tillanali's Knight sort of has a Dino's Matter clause on there, so leads people to maybe only play it in red, green, or red, white. But yeah, really tricky draft to navigate. I did end up grabbing a Sailor of Means next and, and getting some sort of spicy blue-green control deck splashing Reggie, but it was uh, it was a bit of a mess getting there, and I think I probably should have just gotten a good dinosaur deck instead. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. All right. Hope you all got your draft fix from that episode. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, that was super fun. We should we should do those more often. That was really interesting. I can't I can't think of more drafts that we had different opinions on. No, this was good. And it's so late in a format that people are saying is just not interesting. Like, I just I think I the drafts it. in this format are very interesting. I think so, too. Yeah, it's great. Next episode, we do have a guest lined up. So there will be a guest on next week for Lords of Limited. And thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Speaking of this format not being dried up, we are still doing the XLN Treasure Hunt. If you want to unlock some sweet, sweet board states and send us a screenshot to be eligible for a draft set giveaway, you can do so by 
hitting us up on Twitter at Lords of Limited, at Lord Tupperware for myself, at Mr. Metronome for Ben, or shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. The treasure hunt will be done December 20th. We have already unlocked the 18-hour stream, which will be announced shortly. We'll figure out a date for that, but it will be a vintage cube extravaganza with both of your Lords of Limited co-hosts. And speaking of streaming, come check us out, twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware, twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Both of us are streaming almost every day right now. We've been having some some good handoffs this week. I like that. Yeah, it's been great. I really appreciate you shipping me the host. Oh, man. I mean, I get I get hosts from other people. I'm happy to pass it on and particularly happy to get to pass it on to you. Yeah. If you've got any feedback about the show or questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. If you've got a draft you want us to navigate, send it to us, please. Yeah. Any drafts that you're, you have questions about navigating, any picks you're looking at, any board states from games. We we got a lot of good feedback about the episode where we looked at a, a bunch of different like decision points, the our decision paralysis episode, which we'd like to do another one of those in the future. But we need more board states to look at. So if you've got some like interesting decisions that you faced yourself, take a screenshot ship the picture over to us we'd love to talk about it thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of lords limited yep thanks everybody see you later